This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. Yes, consulting mode, uh, and uh, it kind of caught me off guard. And he started he starts asking me some questions, and in the midst of his questions, he said, he said, Laren, let me ask you this: Why does our church exist? Why does our church exist? Now, you would think that would be a, 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 that would be a question that you know, I would have the answer to, especially to a, a one of our members. But, it, but it, it surprised me that I couldn't really articulate it. You know, at least what I did articulate just didn't really feel that compelling to me. And he went on to say, he said, Aaron, we've got a great church. Everybody loves you. Everybody loves Beth. We, we enjoy getting together. But why do we exist? And he kept pressing that issue in. And so, so that took me on a journey. And I just began to seek the Lord. I began to ask questions. I began to focus my reading. And I began to deal with this internal conflict within me. Of, because the question is, if we're asking why does a church exist, then the bigger question is, then why am I a pastor? In my heart, I knew God had called me to be here in Sumner County for a long time, and I still feel that today. I feel like, if the Lord allows, I want to be a long-term pastor in one church with one people. That's the desire of my heart. And I felt this, definitely this calling to Middle Tennessee, to Sumner County, but, you know, when we start thinking, well, there's a lot of churches to service the people here. And when you begin to look around the world at how many people don't know Jesus. And the fact that 90% of the people who don't know Jesus live in what is called the 1040 window, which is a geographical location on the globe. It goes across North Africa, the Middle East, into China. And most people who don't know Jesus live there. And it's the least place, it's, it's the least amount of missionaries that are there. I mean, some of it is because it's hard to get in. Some of it is because, you know, it's hard to raise money unless you have, you know, pictures of huge crusades like there are in South America and West Africa. Uh, these countries that are closed, it's, it's just difficult. It's hard. So I started thinking, God, if, if I'm going to give my next 30 years to the church, then, okay, what is it? What, what, what's it, what's it going to be? And so I'm dealing with all this, and this is all in my head. And, and just honestly, there was just one day that I, I was quite... Uh, I don't know if I'd say distraught about it, but I was disturbed. And it was a Monday. It was a, it was the day that I consider my Sabbath most Mondays. That, and, and so, you know, I asked Beth uh, what our plans were, and she had something that day. So I was by myself, and I decided to go see a movie. I've never done this up to this point that I can remember. I don't think I've ever done it since then. Decided to go to a movie by myself, and I drove into Nashville because it was a very special movie. You might remember it. It was called Amazing Grace. It was about the life of William Wilberforce, uh, who was an amazing character, historical character that I had, uh, I had you know, vaguely studied, and at least I highly admired William Wilberforce. William Wilberforce, uh, through his leadership in the British Parliament, he, he, uh, he helped lead the, uh, making the slave trade illegal and abolishing the slave trade. So he was an amazing leader, an amazing man, and, this, and this, this movie was about his life. So I go see this movie, and, and the story goes like this. Wilberforce was the youngest person to ever be in Parliament, and he was a politician. And he was an incredible speaker, incredible orator. I mean, he, he was famous for his speeches. But his heart was drawn to the ministry. His heart was drawn, and he wanted to, he wanted to just 
to pastor a church or he wanted to be by himself and, and, and even be a monk, if, if, if a version of that, and, and, and just be in God's presence. Yet God had opened this incredible door for him into the, minister, into the government and into, into leadership in the government, into the parliament. So he's had this conflict and he went to his pastor, who incidentally was the man who wrote the, the, the chorus Amazing Grace to him. And he went to his pastor and he talked to his pastor about this. And in the midst of this, this whole, uh, I'm sitting there eating my popcorn and drinking my Coke and I'm watching this. And, and I'm very compelled by the story. And, and one of his friends asked Wilberforce this question when he was thinking about leaving the government and going to, to the ministry. He said, William, will you use your beautiful voice to glorify God or change the world? Will you use your beautiful voice to glorify God, meaning be in the ministry, or change the world by staying in politics? And again, it just it hit me again. I'm like, yeah, I understand this. I'm feeling this conflict because, you know, God, if you call me to be uh, in the ministry for the next 30 to 40 years, God, I, 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 want, I want to make an impact. I, I, want, I want to see life change and difference and something incredible happen. Well, the story unfolds. The story unfolds to the counsel of his pastor. He realized that he could glorify God by changing the world. And that he could do that. And it made me realize this, is that God has a plan for the world. And I want to make that really clear because, see, growing up in church and being around church, being employed by church, I love church people. And I love church activities. And I see the value in them and they're good. But God doesn't just love church people. Someone who, I study American history, and I love American. I think patriotism is an important civic duty. But God doesn't just love America. And I want you to understand something. God doesn't just love church people. And God doesn't just love America. He loves the lost, and He loves the world. And the problem is, sometimes we really love each other, and we love our people. And we lose God's heart. That's one of the reasons why the slogan you're going to see over and over again and something I want us all to know and have in our hearts. We even put it on the doorposts coming in here. Know his love and share his love. Because both are important. We want to have a great church. We want to love being together. We want to love our city and our culture and advance there. But we also want to share his love to the lost, to the world. And so I want us... Before I finish my story, I want us to look at some scriptures. And we're going to start in 1 Peter 1, 18 through 20. We're just going to go through a lot of scriptures here. It says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Now look at this verse. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. I want to, I, that, that scripture, if you, I want you to understand that the, the work of Christ was not an afterthought. It wasn't a plan B. God, all along, before the creation of the world, knew that Jesus was going to be the way and Jesus was the hope of the world. So now I want to take you through a journey. And, and I love hearing your Bibles, Russell, and, and feel free to do that. But we're going to go through it very quickly because I want to start in Genesis and we're going to, we're going to end in Revelation. And I quickly want you to, to read with me God's heart for the world. 
And the reason when I say world, I'm not just talking about foreign missions. I'm talking about your neighbors. I'm talking about the 70 percent of Sumner County that doesn't attend church on a given given Sunday. Yes, you heard me right. Just because people tell you they don't they, that they attend a certain church does not mean they're coming. Seventy percent of Sumner County is not going to church on any given Sunday. All right. God has a plan for those people. Church doesn't exist primarily for you, primarily for me. I talked about that last week. You know, we do need to grow. We need to be discipled, all that kind of stuff. So I'm not not saying that there's no purposes for you because there is. There's transformation. So he was chosen before the creation of the world. Well, going back to Genesis 3.15, here's a very complicated scripture, but to me it's the most beautiful scripture of the Bible. Right after Adam and Eve fell, it says, God is speaking to them and he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. And he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Now, this is a complicated scripture and we don't have time to unfold it, but it's a powerful, especially in that last phrase. Because you will strike his heel. He's talking to the serpent here. And, and he's saying, you're going to strike his heel. Her offspring is Jesus. On the cross, you're going to strike him, but he is going to crush your head. Meaning you are going to be completely defeated. Now, the ramifications of that is just incredible. That as soon as Adam and Eve chose sin and was deceived by the enemy, God already had a plan. We saw that in 1 Peter 1.18. Before the creation of the world, God had a plan. Jesus wasn't an afterthought. The cross wasn't an accident. The cross wasn't plan B. It was his plan. And he had a plan from the beginning that, that there's victory. And I want to tell you something. That as soon as you sin, and you don't need to sin... As soon as you make a mistake, God's right there and he has a plan to restore you. God has a plan to redeem you. God has a plan to lead you to forgiveness because that's who he is. So going on to Genesis 12, and Genesis 12 is a meaningful scripture to me. Uh, It says, Genesis 12, verse 3, the covenant to Abraham says, I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. Now look at this. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. We're beginning to see that even when God began to establish his covenant with the Jewish people through the seed of Abraham, he did not just have the Jewish people in mind, even though he defined his covenant through them. He said the whole world is going to be blessed. The whole world is going to be blessed through you. When Jacob was speaking to Joseph in Genesis 49, verse 10, he says this, the scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until he whom it belongs shall come Now listen to that. Look at this. And the obedience of the nations is his. The obedience of the nations. God has a plan for all people groups. That means even the people groups we despise the most, even those that um, that irritate our senses, even those that we don't understand their culture. God has a plan for them. And sometimes that can mean a culture within within your life. It could be a, a certain age group, a certain group of kids a certain group of people in your neighborhood, that God wants obedience to come from every people group. Psalms 2.8 says this, Ask me, David saying this, and I will will make the nations your inheritance and the ends of the earth your possessions. God has a plan for the world. Isaiah 49.6. And he says, It's too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring those of Israel I have kept. It's too small a thing just... For those certain tribes, I will also make you a light for the Gentiles. That's those of us, as I am, who are not Jewish by descendant, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. 
So God has a plan for the whole world to the ends of the earth. He wants to do something. Going on to Zechariah 2.11, it says many nations. Look at those two words. Many nations will be joined with the Lord in that day and will become my people. And I will live among you and you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. Matthew 24.14. For those of you who love end times, here's a great, great end time scripture prophecy for you. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. That's what the scripture says. Uh, Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man, being Jesus, came to seek and to save that, that excuse me, what was lost. John 17.18. Jesus prayed this to the Father. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. John 20.21. 20, we read this last week. And it said this. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. What a powerful statement. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Uh, Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Therefore, here's a mission statement of the church, really. We have this condensed and know his love, share his love. But therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, all people groups, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey uh, everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always. This is verse 20 to the very end of of the A. Sorry, I didn't have that in there. Acts 1.8 says it this way. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. When the Holy Spirit baptizes you, it comes on you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria. And look at this part. And to the ends of the earth. Second Peter 3, 9 and 10 says it this way. For the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I thank God for his patience. And then I love Revelation 5.9, what it says, because it's talking about what will happen. Revelation 5.9 is talking about what will happen at the end. It says, and they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and open the seals because you were slain. And with your blood, look at this, you've purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. God has a plan for the world. And God has had a plan for the world before the world even began. God had a plan for the world for when sin entered the world. He is on a mission. God, there's a story that's unfolding. God is redeeming the world. God is calling the world back to him. And he's invited you and I to be part of that. And so it is. Here I was asking God, why am I a pastor? Why are we a church? God, would it have been better for me to go into politics or to work for the, the Salvation Army or for the Red Cross? Or would it have been better for me to do something else? And then I realized something, you know, through many, many experiences, through the questions. That it's not, the question is not, will you glorify God or change the world? The statement is this, you glorify God by changing the world. And so it is that four years ago, I made one degree of change in my ministry. And you know, some days it doesn't feel very noticeable. And some days when progress is slower than I want, you know, I can't tell the difference, but I believe over the next decades, it's going to make a huge difference. One degree of separation that I went from trying to build a church to asking God to take 
at that time 150 people and now today it's 450 people and asking God God would you take 200 people or 400 people and would you take us and would you help us together change the world would you help us not do churches as ordinary as business as usual would you redeem our time so that when we stand before you at the end of our lives we can say that Lord you allowed us together to truly make a difference instead of just building a great church we, we can change the world together what is it going to take? It's going to take an influential church. A strong, influential church. What's an influential church? Well, an influential church, in my mind, combines two things. First of all, you, you need to be healthy. That means relationships are functioning. The Word of God is preached. There's not silliness. There's not goofiness. And you're healthy. And the other component is you need to be sizable. See, what we have is we have a lot of sometimes healthy churches that no one discovers because they never reach a significant point of size. And then sometimes you have sizable churches that aren't really healthy. You get beyond the surface and there's dysfunction. And my heart for our church is that we would be healthy and sizable. And together it would be influential. That God would make a difference. And that God would begin to to make a huge difference. And and I, I see it first right here in Sumner County through social involvement. I don't have the answer to everything God's put on our hearts, but I know this is we're going to keep asking the right questions. Because the state of education in our county, it makes a difference, and we have to be involved. And the fact that there's people in our county with no access to health care, we have to be involved. And the fact that there is pockets of poverty right here in Sumner County. We have to be involved and we can't turn our backs and can't turn our eyes to those things and we have to ask the right questions and partner with the right people. And that's why in our missions money we partner with ministries that are meeting needs like that. Ministries such as Gallatin Cares and Hendersonville Samaritan Center and the Shalom Zone and the Salvas Center that they're touching people's needs right here in our community. That's why in the, in the past we've donated money to our local schools. And we need to be more involved with our public schools. And we need to be more involved with that, that in reaching people. That's why we give out backpacks. That's why we have the hat ministry where we honor teachers. That's why we do the Thanksgiving blessing. Because we have to touch the social need of our community and our society. Some of you who are at the women's conference get to hear from my good friend Jackie Chapman. As God has, she's one of our missionaries and, and God has called her to reach the Muslim people of the world and help expose a need for that. And they're coming to America. Listen, God is placing people here in America for us to reach Muslims in America. But also, listen, there are, are millions, perhaps a billion, Muslim people who don't believe Jesus Christ is the way to heaven. And we have to take the gospel to them. And that means we partner with relational ministries. People like Dick Brogdon, he'll be here in September, who just announced earlier this year, after 16 years in Sudan and establishing teams, now he's going to Libya. All of that happened before this outbreak. And God had been preparing him for that. In Kazakhstan, and in Laos, we have missionaries that I'm in relationship with, Bangladesh, that listen, they're not going to be able to show you crusade pictures where you can see the masses because people would get killed 
under those types of, of crusades. So they go from home to home and people person to person and relationship to relationship. And God has called this mid-sized church in Hendersonville to love the Muslims of this world and to give our money and to give our resources and to get it and to understand that he has a plan. And then in Europe, church attendance in Europe is less than 1% in most of the major cities. That's why we've been part of planning a church in Paris that's been successful. We've been part of planning a church in Stockholm, Sweden. Phil Zarns will be with us the weekend of July 4th. He's done a tremendous job there. That's why I haven't been out of the country in, in eight years, but in May I'm going to Turkey with a group of pastors. And we're going to, among, among some of the tourist things we're going to do, we're going to talk to the local church. We have one missionary who's going to Turkey right now. Turkey's a great blend of of a Muslim country that's secular, that wants to be in the EU. It's a great blend of that. But do you understand that God's going to call some of you to go to those places? God's going to call some of you to be a part of it. God's going to call you to care about that and to care about those people. In recent years, God has done something in my heart. This story is still unfolding towards His chosen people, the Jewish people. And we're going to be a church that stands with Israel. We're going to be a church when the world turns against Israel, and it will. The world hates God's chosen people. They've hated God's chosen people from the beginning, and it's carried all through European colonialism up until Nazi Germany. And even today, the media in the world is against the Jewish people. And as it becomes more and more unpopular, this church will stand with Israel. And we will stand and we will help perhaps in days those who want those of Jewish descent who want to relocate to Israel, that we will perhaps help them do so because God's calling us not to do just church as usual two weeks before the Haiti earthquake Pastor Kim Driver met with me two weeks he said Aaron I can't explain it God God is stirring me about Haiti and I said well we need to send you there so we plan to send her a trip we plan to send her there to Haiti and two weeks later that devastating earthquake has come and she is planning and she's working and now God's unfolding that in her Sex trafficking is just one of the crises of this century. Something that God's put on Beth's heart. We don't know the answers yet, but we know that Abe and Jill Sobchak, who are in Laos, you know, it's all over the world, but it's very concentrated in Southeast Asia. And we hope to get more involved in that, to be part of that. That's why I'm a pastor. And that's why we're called together. I love all the stuff we do as a church. Slugs and bugs this afternoon. I want you to come. I want you to be part of it. We want to minister to your kids. We want to bless them. Our youth ministry is growing, and we want to disciple your kids. Our 4.6 is growing. Our church is growing. We want to meet your needs. We want you to grow. We want you to be discipled. But at the same time, it's more than just that. It's about us getting on God's mission together. It's about us joining together and saying, God, there is a cause here. Lord, you've given us another two decades, another three decades. God, you've given us 50 more years of breath and life. And until we see you in glory, let us make a tangible difference in the lives of people in our community community and around the world and we can do it together what's it going to take it's going to take leadership 
It's going to take leadership. And thank you for your support of me and prayer for me and our leadership team. But it means all across the board, leaders need to lead better. Board members need to be more involved. Our pastors and elders need to be more engaged. Small group leaders need to be more passionate. Our greeters need to be more uh, passionate about their job. We need people in the parking lot. We have no one. In two weeks, we have no one to park our people when they come. No one to do that. And we have to be passionate about our cause and who God's called us to be. Because together we can make a difference and we can we can do that. Leaders have to lead better. What is it going to take? It's going to take resources. And you're a giving church. You're a generous church. But I just want to speak something over some of your life. In God's eyes, every gift is significant. From $1 to $1 million, in His eyes, every gift is significant. But some of you, God's going to help you make a lot of money. And you don't need to be ashamed of that. And you don't need to be embarrassed about that. Because you're going to take that money and you're going to sow it back to the vision of this church. Because it's going to take resources to to accomplish everything God's called us to be. We can't be a struggling church hoping to pay our mortgage that month. Hoping to make... We we need to be a robust with much money and savings. Debt free. Able to give our money to the poor. Able to give our money to church planners in Europe. Able to send missionaries to the Muslim world. Able to do something to to relocate Jewish people to to Israel, able to to take women who are in and girls out of the sex trade. We have to have that. It's going to take money. It's going to take resources. And God's going to burn in your heart. And He's going to give you the ability to prosper to help cause this vision to come to pass. And it's going to take momentum. It's going to take momentum. That means your involvement, your participation. We, we need momentum in our attendance. We need momentum in our 242 groups when we start them May 1st. We need momentum in our children's ministry. We need to be healthy across the board because that momentum is going to cause the vision just to unfold, unfold quicker and quicker with greater intensity. So I, I want to ask you today, I'm going to ask you, can you just, would, would you be a part of this? What God wants to know His love, yes but to share His love. Every single one of you have a part of His church. Now, I'm biased and I think it's this church too, but even if you're visiting to us today, you're called to be part of the gathering of God's people where He said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it because it's going to be a church that's advancing. It's going to be pushing back the darkness. It's going to be going to the oppressed and to the poor and those who haven't heard His name. It's going to be touching the physical needs of people and we can do it together. God's called you to be part of it. There's a gift in you. There's a calling. There's a talent. There's a perspective. There's a vision. And the Lord is saying, you're coming off the shelf and you're back in the game again because I have gifted you and I have located you and I have called you and I have placed you at for such a time as this. It is 2011 for a reason. And you're alive for a reason in 2011 because God has a plan for you. I'm going to ask our ushers to to go ahead and position themselves because I can't think of a more important thing that we do today than to take communion together. Because I I, I want you to know something. You're part of a body. You're part of a body. Now I know we have, we have, since the Protestant Reformation, we have lots of power over what church we go to, what style of church, what place of church. and, 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 And it feels like we make that determination. But I believe in a provident God. And I believe in a God who, who will place people in certain bodies to attach them to a vision to attach them right now as I'm pastoring this church that God is letting a lot of this vision flow through me but it's his vision you know and if I God forbid that if I'd ever do something stupid the vision would go on because it's his vision and it's his vision and it's his calling and it's it's what he wants to do 
And you've been called to be part of something. And I want you to understand that since Jesus, at the Passover, broke the bread and he took the cup and he said, I want you to do this in remembrance of me, that billions of Christians for the last 2011 years, if we want to use that dating system, have been taking the bread and they've been taking the cup and they've said, God, I'm part of this thing called the church. And through space and time, God has a space for you. He has a place for you. He has a time for you. And He's chosen this time. He's chosen this generation to love Him and to serve Him, to know His love, to share His love, and to be part of a body. So here in a moment, I want you to take the elements and I want you to hold them. And I want you to think about your life. I want to thank you to think about your call. Yes, you're an electrician. Yes, you're a doctor. Yes, you're a teacher. Yes, you're an artist. You're all those things. But you're more than that. You're more than that. You're called of God. You're called to be part of His church. You're part of His story. From the beginning of the world, He's unfolding a story for all people, all nations, all people. And He's using you and He's using me together. As we hold these elements, let's reflect on that. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Church of Indian Lake.